On today's Generation 9-11, we are honored to be joined by FDNY paramedic Elizabeth Bonilla, who has been serving on the front lines of the coronavirus crisis in hard-struck New York City. We were able to talk to Elizabeth about what her days are like on the front lines and what her family is going through as she is still going to work while most of us are still at home. Here's our conversation with Elizabeth. We are joined by Elizabeth Bonilla. Thanks so much for joining us. And, you know, thank you for, uh, you know, all the hard work that I know that you're doing on a daily basis. And thank you for having me. Sure. So, you know, tell us a little bit about, you know, you and, and your career, how long you've been uh, with the FDNY and been a paramedic. Yeah, so um, I've been with the fire department for approximately seven years. I was an EMT for five and I became a paramedic two years ago. I graduated as a valedictorian. Prior to EMS, I did accounting and finance in Wall Street for 13 years for a Jewish organization. Oh. Um, I made this transition because I happened to be in the unemployment office and basically fire department was there and they recruited me and I said, why not? Um, based on my past and my history, um, I felt that this would be something that I wanted to do from the beginning. I lost my boyfriend to murder when I was 19. Um, I had a best friend who died and I was there while EMS was working on him. I have a son with a medical problem. So medical, the medical field ended up being my interest due to these, um, uh, you know, these mishaps that happened in my life, you know, the tragic moments that happened in my life. So that's, so, that's they, that, sorry, that's so interesting. Cause I think most people, you know, probably either grow up wanting to be a paramedic or, you know, kind of develop that as, as they grow up. And you were, the, the situation was just kind of, the option, I guess, was just kind of thrown at you and you, and you chose to pursue it. Yes. Um, you know, you want to, you in that situation and you just wish that you was able to have hands-on and you had the experience hands-on to help. And because you didn't have that skill at that moment, you couldn't help. So you felt helpless. So I kind of felt like from there, it was like an open door to want to help people. Um, it, it just makes things real. It's reality. It's real life events. And being in this field, there are ups and downs. Um, and it's also very rewarding, you know, like, you know, saving someone's life or delivering babies. Um, there are, there is good in EMS as well, you know, so um, I must say that since I started this job, I've been totally happy with my career. And did you ever ex expect to be put in the situation that we're in now? Never. I've never thought that it would basically blow up like this. It took one conference that I did and from here, I'm here. Like, I didn't expect this at all. I appreciate it, I, um, but it was so unexpected. I'm very impressed, I'm honored, um, and, you know, the recognition for EMS is necessary. And, you know, by this, uh, obviously, we're, we're recording this uh, towards the end of uh, April, and, you know, we're really hopefully coming now, uh, you know, we're starting to hopefully bend the curve on the, on the COVID-19 crisis. But I was hoping that you could kind of tell us what your 
you know, what you're seeing on the front lines on a daily basis and, you know, how it's affecting you? So on a daily basis, we are receiving calls that come in that are either corona positive or sub suspected corona positive patients. We wouldn't know what we are facing until we get to the actual apartment. So we respond to all calls, even calls that have to do with chest pain, respiratory failure, asthma, attack, seizures, things that aren't corona related. So we assume in the beginning that every call is corona related until we get on scene and then we rule out corona, we treat accordingly. Um, so if we have a corona patient, you're walking in, the patient appears extremely weak. The person is um, appearing to be in respiratory distress, sometimes respiratory failure. They're suffering, they're suffocating. Um, their fingers are blue, their feet are blue, their lips are blue. They are very fearful. They're reaching out to you almost like a child reaching out to their parent, you know, because they want you to help them. They have this face of this, they, this look that they are scared, but they also relieved like they saw an angel come through that door because they know they're going to get help. Um, they're sweating, they're trembling. You can feel the heat coming from their body because they have fever. Um, and sadly to say, but most of the time lately, the last few calls that I had last week, every day I went to a call and the person was already deceased on scene. Wow. And that's, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily know from experience myself, but that's not something that you would normally experience. No, we don't normally experience cardiac arrest calls on the regular. This is the most I've done cardiac arrest calls. Like this is the most. I've never done so many calls like this in my whole career. Now, when you respond to a call, are you... Um, how are you dressed? Do you, are you wearing PPE? Uh, are you always in full PPE, you know, in between? How, how is that working for you? Okay, every call I wear my N95, goggles, a hat, and two gloves. I only wear my gown when we are doing intubations, when we are going to perform CPR, and also to prevent any type of fluids that may touch our uniforms. Um, that's when we wear a gown. Is that something that you, you train for? Is, is it something that, um, or as the crisis was unfolding, you were learning and how, how does that work? Um, we, we are trained every year how to use the N95, when to use our N95. So we're trained every year it's about the N95. We're trained in regards to, um, Ebola cases, um, the, the active shooting, we are trained on those um, events. You know, they train us how to handle those things. We weren't necessarily trained for this case because no one saw it coming. Right. No one was prepared. So we weren't necessarily trained for the corona. As days go by, two days, three days, we have a new um, protocol. We have a new um, direction. It's constantly you know, evolving. Yes, it's, chain, it's constantly changing. So you're going to wear this and you're going to wear that. Um, you're only going to do CPR for 20 minutes until you see life. If there's no life, then you're pronounced on scene. Um, you know, so it constantly changes. And the hours, I, I, you're, normally, what would your shifts look like? 
So usually I work 3 p.m. to 11 p.m., which is eight hours. Since the coronavirus, I've been working longer days. Some, most of the time we have late calls. Um, there are other coworkers who are sick, so their, their shift ends up becoming a vacancy, so I would volunteer for that vacancy. There was a time that I wasn't working, so I came in on a vacancy, on the day that there was a vacancy to do overtime. Um, but usually it's eight hours, we do 16 hours. I usually mutual off with someone else who is able to go home and rest as well. So I do full 16 hour shifts. Um, and now they're changing our shifts from eight hours to 12 hour shifts. So starting in May, we're gonna start working 12 hour shifts. That's gonna be standard. Yes. Okay. They say approximately 60 days. Okay. And you know, you mentioned something in, in that last answer about um, some of your colleagues and friends getting sick themselves. Have you been sick? Have you, um, you know, I, I imagine um, work has been affected by the fact that so many colleagues have gotten sick. Yes, thankfully, I tell you, knock on wood and many prayers to God, I have not gotten sick. My family has not gotten sick. I pray that we do not get touched. I'm almost scared every day to wake up hearing that one of us is scared. It's almost like it's a tormenting feeling waking up every day and opening up my, my eyes. And then I'm like, okay, can I breathe? Okay, I'm fine. So it's a tormenting feeling to wake up and having the thought of, Maybe you got the virus. How am I feeling today? I could breathe, you know, great, thank you. You know, and you're being you're so grateful. As far as my coworkers getting sick, one minute we're fine, the next minute we're not, you know. And it's sad that we're seeing each and every one of us go down one by one by one. So when we come into the office, the first thing we do is we have a five um, question questionnaire, a survey. Do you have a cough? Do you have a new sneeze? Do you have a fever? You know, things of that nature. And depending on how you answer it, they will send you home. And then we also have a thermometer where they go ahead. It's like a thermometer gun and yeah. they go ahead and they check your, um, your fever. So if you come in and you say, hey, I don't feel too well. And they check your, to check your temperature to see if you have a fever, then they will send you home immediately. Right, so they're taking the proper precautions, or at least more of a precaution uh, now. So you said that your hours have kind of gone later, and um, and I guess you'd be working at this time normally. But you know, at seven o'clock, New Yorkers all over the place have been recognizing healthcare workers. And um, have you been out on a call while this has been happening? Have you heard the recognition that? Uh, New York, you know, the clapping and the singing and stuff like that? I experienced many different recognitions. Um, I was on a call recently of a person that passed away in the home, and there was children in the window who were waving, and then their mother would wave and things like that. Um, we received drawings from children that we have hanging up in our station. Um, when we pull up at the, in the ambulance bay, there are notes written in chalk, you know, so, so that we can see while we're driving into the ambulance bay. Yeah. I live in a community where a lot of high rise buildings. So every day at seven o'clock, I'm able to hear 
the clapping, the spoons hitting the pots, the whistles, the cheers. There are even fireworks. So I'm watching this. I have my kids also looking out the window. And it's such a, such a wonderful feeling to be recognized. Um, you don't, it, because you see it as a job, you just see it as a job, you know. But when you see that you're rewarded for this job, it's like, wow, this is really, I guess this is a good job. This is a rewarding job. People are seeing us. People are recognizing us. I guess now with all this, people are really seeing what, what EMS really does. And um, yeah, if you could, if you could kind of let the public know anything, you know, what, what would you want us and, and everybody who's listening? Um, what do you want? What do you want us to know? I want to say that um, staying home literally saves lives. I've seen many cases where family go outside and they bring home some type of strain and their family's affected. Um, even though they're not affected, it's the family that's being affected. I also want to express, like, take advantage of this opportunity that you have now to enjoy dinner at the table with your family, to enjoy movie time, to enjoy family time. Um, not many of us have that luxury. Right. And, um, and the more that people go outside, the more it makes it difficult for us to do our job effectively. You know, because the more people that go outside, we're also affected. So if we're going down, how can we provide um, service to you? Right. So I think it's very important that they do stay home. Um, it's not a bad thing. You know, it's, it's actually the safest thing you can do right now. The, the more you stay home, the, the quicker it is that we'll, uh, we'll all be able to get back out. But um, Elizabeth Bonilla, uh, FDNY paramedic, I really want to thank you for, for coming on and, and sharing your story. And, uh, and, you know, thank you for just doing what you do. I know that it's, it can't be easy right now. And, uh, and all of us really appreciate it. I thank you very much, friends. Thank you. Bye. That was Elizabeth Bonilla, FDMY paramedic who is serving on the front lines, who gave us her perspective on what she's facing on a daily basis, as well as what her family is going through while they all try to remain healthy. Thanks so much for sharing your story, Elizabeth. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at generation911 at outlook.com. We'll speak to you next time.